back to another episode of P.S. We Have Orders, the military spouse podcast where an accountant and a social worker walk into a bar and complain about money. Hi, my name is Shannon. Nope, my name is Perry. <laughs> Hi, my name is Shannon. How are you today, Perry? Oh, uh, well, I'm confused and having an identity crisis. How are you? Good. Living the dream, you know? Um, I guess we'll just go straight into housekeeping because... Um, oh, yeah. Mine, I feel like mine's a little shorter than yours. I have to say I started off with uh, my car broke down. Going up a hill, it starts shaking, <laughs> and then I looked down and I was like, "Oh, it can't, it can't go above twenty five clicks." And I'm like, "Oh, that's not very good." And then I saw a orange flashing check engine light, which apparently is not a very good thing. So that's I like, a bad tur- sign. Yeah, I turned it right around and put, brought it straight to the uh, mechanic. But remind you, the whole purpose of me finding out this, my car stopped working. I was, I was trying to go up to the PX to go buy the new Pokemon game. Were you ever able to get the Pokemon? No. Game? That's the worst no. part. I still haven't even gotten it because it was just so, I was so salty because I know I snapped you when it happened. I was just steamingly mad. Yeah. I just wanted the Pokemon game and possibly Taco Bell. That's all I wanted. Simple pleasures in life. It's too much to ask for. You can't have that. No, I can't. One thing that was really positive though, uh, my husband and I just celebrated nine years married Woo. over the weekend. Yeah. It's been interesting. I mean, it's kind of crazy. And I look back at pictures from like, you know, when we got married because we. Babies. Yeah, we were babies. Uh, Yeah, we were babies. 2021. And we got married outside on my town's green in Mm -hmm. end of February where everyone Mm -hmm. froze, including myself. Yep. Yep. And yeah. and you were like strapless dress too. Yeah, you it was like it was like it was full like, committed. It was, like, really, it was a cute like white lacy dress yeah. that I had to wear stockings because my legs would have like gotten frostbite. That's how freaking cold mm-hmm. it was, and it was horrible. Thanks to everyone who showed up that day and uh, watched us get <laughs> married and froze their butts off, including our wonderful JP, who like we were all just like, okay, can we go inside and sign the paperwork now? We're all cold because like town hall yeah. is right across the way. But yeah, that's uh, I guess that's my housekeeping. It's um, oh yeah, and also I finished my first class in my uh, in my ma- in my masters. Woo! That's exciting, and you yes. did great on it. Yeah, which you're starting it off strong. You're gonna finish it strong. You can tell. So I'm, I'm definitely in a way better headspace than when I when I started my bachelor's. In my bachelor's, I was just like, I just want to get this done. I just want to get this done, and now I'm yeah. like, I'm gonna t- I'm going to be a sponge and soak it all yes. in, so I can learn it all. How's life for you? I know you have a big update. Uh, yeah, so my housekeeping starts with immediately after we finished recording our Paris episode, my husband comes in and he goes, hey, what are you doing in the next hour and a half? And I'm like, uh, nothing. I'm still in my pajamas. Why? He goes, do you want to look at a puppy with me? And like when Will looks at a puppy, like that just means he's already sold on the puppy. Yeah. And so I was like, which puppy? And he shows me this little dachshund mix that one of the rescues in the area had. And he grew up with dachshunds and loves dachshunds. And like, that's like his dream dog. Um, Who doesn't love a good wiener dog? Okay. (laughs) So we drove an hour away and it was super sketch. We met this, uh, it was a foster, obviously, for a, uh, like a rescue that just isn't doing like in building stuff since yeah. COVID. I guess they've gone to strictly fosters and then Works. you meet outside of a hardware store and they essentially are like selling puppies out of the back of their car. That's not a good look. <laughs> Which I was like, this is super sketchy. Like, is this okay? Um, but he's very cute. He is a beagle dachshund mix. Plus, we did him DNA tested, but the results haven't come back yet. Oh, um, I'm curious. Yeah, so we'll see. I honestly think there's a little bit of pit bull in there. Somewhere. I just see it. Little, little bits. Yeah. A little bit in the face and then, like, the tail. Um, so we'll see what he is. He's adorable, um, though. He's super cute. We'll post a picture of him. He's so cute. His name is Dennis. Um, mostly we named him Dennis because he's a German dog. And I felt like all the locals when we were in Germany were named Dennis. Like, I met so many Dennises in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> and my friend here, she has a sister and has a, who has a German boyfriend named Dennis. And nice. I'm like, this just proves to me that every German man's name is Dennis. So, yeah, so now we have two dogs and two cats, and Dennis is just 
adorable. He hides all of Murphy's toys on him, and Murphy's finally stopped, like, growling at him when he climbs all over him, and they're becoming very good friends, um, and I spend most of my day cleaning up pee, so. I mean, you get the joys yeah. of teleworking now. Like, that sounds like almost perfect. I do. I do, yes, with my new job and everything, I'll be teleworking permanently, oh, so uh, but I'm not messing it up this time. There's things I went wrong with Murphy that I'm not going to get wrong with this dog, and that one of those things is I am crate training him, even though I'm home. Smart. Um, very smart, yes. I also am crate training Murphy, which is going really well, um, too, so that's good. Um, well, he and loves I'm not you. giving he him any human food. Yeah, always stay away from human food. That's how we are in our house. Yeah, Murphy's a beggar. He begs laying down. I did teach him to beg laying down at least, but well, he's a big he dog. still does it. Yeah, exactly. Because he's, I mean, his head is table height. Yeah. So, like, if he just walks by, he can just put his head on the table. So, at least he does that. That's so big. But yeah. Yeah. So, it's funny. So, Dennis's legs are four and a half inches long, and Murphy's feet are four and a half inches long. So, literally, his body starts where Murphy's feet end. I love that. It, it's hilarious. I'll have to post a picture of them together, like a contrasting one. It's Everything. wild. And this dog is ma- he's twelve pounds right now. So he's the size of my cats. Uh huh. And he's probably going to be maybe maybe thirty pounds mm-hmm. full grown. Well, so we'll get a better idea when we see what else he's mixed with. But yeah, so that is I'm happy for you. My life. Also, since he's a beagle, that made me think uh, when I was telling Shannon about him. There's this thing called the Be- the Beagle Brigade, which Shannon was not aware of. I don't know what this is. <laughs> it sounds adorable. It is. So you know how when you go to the airport, there's usually like German shepherds mm-hmm. that are like your bomb-sniffing dogs or your drug-sniffing dogs? Yeah, yeah. So the Beagle Brigade are tropical fruit-sniffing dogs. <sighs> They're used mostly coming in and out of South America. Makes sense. And their beagles trained to smell out exotic fruits. And it's really cute and they have their little vests on. (laughs) And, like, they're such a silly-looking dog, too. I know, but they're so smart. They are. They're very, really Yeah, Dennis is very smart. He learned sit in, like, five minutes. And then today we worked on leave it. And he's getting that really quickly. And Murphy, although he is the best dog, he is kind of stupid. But he's the best dog, though. He's such, like, if you look up good dog or good boy in the dictionary his face is right there front and center next next to my dogs like it's boom, right, there. right there absolutely yes um and then also speaking of airports and dogs i just want to give everybody a reminder that pet shipping costs can be tax deductible so make sure when you're doing your taxes for 2021 if you move to pet and if you have those receipts um you should be able to make an adjustment there so, so, just, uh, so good to know. I can probably find a link somewhere and I will post that in the show notes in case anybody wants any more details on that. But no, that's really brilliant. Because um, I mean, we're supposed to be out of here this year. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an oh, idea. Did you want to talk? A- did you talk about that last time? No. So. Yes. Okay. We recently saw what is possible for overseas. I'm not going to say where or what. So due to like security reasons and blah, blah, blah. I will once we know where we're going for staying overseas. If we're going back stateside. I will talk to that and talk about that in future episodes. All I can say is that um, it looked pretty good. I'm not mad. Yeah, it was quite a few of the ones that we were hoping for. And mm-hmm. after a very lengthy discussion, discussion which I wasn't expecting to have, we basically said the list looks great and let's hope for the best. And we'll see if the Air Force decides yeah. to throw a dart our way and puts us somewhere good. Or they might send us back stateside and put us in the middle of nowhere. We'll see. We'll, I mean, fingers crossed for another uh, three to four years overseas, though. Um, if you are okay with it, Perry, let's just move on to, uh, yeah. to our NMRs. Yeah, sure thing. And I have a really, really good question for you, Perry. Mm-hmm. For this week's NMR, what was a movie that everyone loved but you hated? Hey, Shannon's not going to like this because I know she loves this movie, but... And the answer, I'm going to caveat this, I saw this movie too late in life. I missed it the first time around. I missed it when it had a little revival with my generation. But the movie is Pulp Fiction. I couldn't get into it. I thought it was stupid. Like, nothing really went together. And I just, like, was waiting for it to be really good because everyone loved it so much. And to me, it just never got good. So I don't know if it's because my expectations were too high 
or if I just missed the bus on that one, but I did not like it. Oh, I like love it. that movie. It's what it's one of those, I like, I don't watch older movies. I'm kind of one of those people, like, I'm really weird about watching older movies. When did it come out? Do you know? Oh, God, no. I have no idea. That'd 90s? Be a- 80s? Maybe. Give or take. Somewhere in between there. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, look- 1994. 1994. Okay, so a little bit after we were born. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm normally I normally don't watch too many like older movies. I should say when I say older, I mean like 80s, 90s time frame. But I actually I watched it and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun how it kept kept them bouncing around. But that's, maybe that's part of the reason why you didn't enjoy it because it wasn't a forward moving linear. St- yeah, it wasn't yeah. a linear storyline. Um, I guess what about for, you? I'm gonna say mine. I probably will get a little bit of hate for this. Was Get Out? I absolutely. I watched it after several other people hyped it, and you know mm-hmm. I love all things spooky, horror, creepy. Do. And I will not mm-hmm. lie, I did not think it was creepy. I didn't think it was scary. I understand the social aspect behind it. It makes sense with mm-hmm. like the what was happening in the world at the time and even what's currently happening now. So I respect that aspect of it. But you just didn't like the movie. I just did not enjoy the movie. If you were to tell me this was supposed to be a more commentary on social issues, I probably would have enjoyed it. But when someone sold it to me, oh, it's a horror movie, I was waiting for the horror and I like was like, then the, then the credits rolled and I was like, what? where was the horror? Yeah. So it's almost like you went with like the wrong mindset. Yes. To watch I wish I was mm-hmm. sold on, hey, it's more of a, con- it's more of a movie that's disguised as a horror movie, but it's actually more about like social issues and then i would have been like all right sign me up but i don't know i just i couldn't get behind it i didn't enjoy it and i felt bad because i watched it with someone who has watched the movie multiple times and loved it and i was just like i don't want to hurt her feelings but it's i just didn't like it i didn't like it at all so i mean you know there's sometimes there's gonna be movies you don't like yeah are there any movies that you do like for your shareables i'd probably say my shareable for this week is the way of the house husband it's an anime on Netflix, um, it's just kind of really fun and goofy. It's nothing to take serious. It's just, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it without possibly messing it up. I just would tell people, if you want something that you just want a good chuckle at, and you want to watch a funny anime that's like, doesn't have a linear storyline, because it kind of just like, it's just snippets of things. It's cute. Mm-hmm. I highly encourage it. It's just funny. I, I don't know. What about you, Perry? Um, mine, I, like, stumbled on it. I think it was on HBO Max, I'm pretty sure. I don't get that. And the reason I even clicked it, well, two reasons, I guess. The first is that Andrew Garfield is in it, and I love me all the Spider-Mans, so Andrew Garfield is my boo. And the second thing is, it's about the big televangelists. So, it the name of the movie is The Eyes of Tammy Faye. And she is notorious for just having, like, way too much makeup on. And she is the spouse of Reverend Jim Baker. He was, uh, I believe he became, like, ordained in, like, the 60s, maybe. And he jumped on the televangelist train and was a popular televangelist. And then in the mm, 80s and or 90s, he was, like, building up this big church called, like, Baker's Land. There was going to be, like, a resort for these Christians and stuff. And it was, Jeez. like, call now and donate and tithe and da-da-da-da-da. And then they, uh, he, like, was charged with all these different counts of, like, fraud and embezzlement and stuff like that. So it's just kind of, like, the story, but more from, like, her side of things. And the actress that was in it, she did a really good job. Andrew Garfield was Jim Baker, and he played the best sleazebag it was really good, so I would recommend that. All that always sounds really interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, and it just poked a lot of fun at televangelists, and the <laughs> they have uh, an actor portraying Jerry Falwell in it, who started Liberty University, which is where I attended, so... <laughs> yeah, I was, it was there like, for oh, a very, very short, short bit. I was there for a whole <laughs> class, and I said, I can't do this. All right, so this week's topic, which we thought would be interesting... Basically, money tips and budgeting. Perry has her degree in accounting. Obviously, anyone can take this with a grain of salt. Neither one of us are professional budgeters. If that's a job, I don't even know. I mean, yeah, but I work with cash flow every single day. You do. Uh, and expenses and income. So I would say I'm like kind of a professional. Professional? Yeah. <laughs> medium. Medium professional. <laughs> I love yeah, that. Yeah, so this, I honestly, I didn't even... 
get any resources on this other than just like the budgeting classes I've taken and cash flow and stuff like that. And then also my experience with like the military. So there's probably a lot that could be added here. I'm just going to kind of do an overview. We'll probably touch over this again in the future because this is one of those topics that is very large that we're just yeah, kind of sure. taking little pieces right now. Just like, you know, in the future, we plan on covering, recovering other topics to do a deeper dive, especially if people show interest in it. Yeah, for sure. So I guess I'm going to jump into it yeah, now that we're like 22 minutes in. Whew. All right. So... I know that I've seen it a lot in different families that money can be a really sore subject. I mean, not specifically in military families, but for everybody. Yeah. I feel like money issues can be exacerbated, like when a spouse wants to work, but maybe can't work. It's frustrating. So they have this income inequality or this income imbalance. And it's hard. I know for me, I was having a hard time with when we were back in the States and I had my degree and I was unable to have a career because I knew I was only going to be there for seven months. And I know a lot of spouses feel that way. Like they can't work because they're overseas or they can't work because wherever they're stationed, they don't have a demand for that job. Or maybe they have to take a a lesser paying job or leave a really good one. So money can be a big point of contention there. Or also, maybe you don't want to work and you're a stay-at-home mom and that's exactly how you want it to be, but you do still have to have a very honest conversation with your spouse about how you're going to be allocating money because if you don't, that could lead to a lot of bigger problems for sure. I did look up one thing because I knew that money troubles was a huge like leading cause of divorce Yeah, because you know it can lead to tension and resentment, anxiety, and... 40% according to the divorcenet.com listed financial disagreements as a reason for divorce. So 40% of all US divorces list financial reasons. So I could, it's like I could fully like see over that. Like overcheating or anything, yeah, you know what I mean? I can mean? completely see that. Yeah. Cuz like if yeah. we can even take this to a different, I mean, different perspective. If you think about it this way, from my end of the world, I can see from this is what immediately comes to my mind is um Laszlo's hierarchy of needs. One of them is security and safety and all of that. And if mm-hmm. you think about it, what does money give you? Most of the time it gives you some form of security and safety because that's yes. what keeps a roof over your head is obviously paying for said roof. So, I mean, that mm-hmm. completely makes sense. If you don't feel safe or secure, why would you want to stay in that situation? And I could definitely see where that can cause a lot of issues. I mean, with yeah. my with my relationship with my husband, when we moved to Germany, I didn't work for four years. And I went from working two jobs where I was extremely financially independent, didn't always make the best decisions because I was okay. young and dumb. Mm-hmm. But I was, I, I at least had, you know, I was, I was working on things. I, you know, I worked. If you I, were being dumb about money, it was your money to oh, be yeah. dumb about at yes. least. Yeah. Well, that later overflowed into our marriage, but that, that was one of those sore subjects we had to tackle eventually and figure mm-hmm. it out together. But initially, like, when we first moved to Germany, I had a really hard time. Perry probably remembers this, how I didn't work. Yeah. And it made me really anxious. I hated it. I absolutely hated it because I felt like I had to, like, go to my spouse and be like, hey, can I have my loans this week? And I hate that feeling of, like, having to basically ask permission to do stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. So, like, I could definitely see where this, like, a money issue could easily cause a divorce. Like, I, I could fully understand that. So, I mean, I, I think it makes sense. So, do you have any uh, any other really good tidbits on this? Um, I do. I do. I actually have, I guess, four split out ways that I would say the four most common ways mm-hmm. that married couples split their money. Makes sense. Um, the first one I want to talk about is all in. This is when... Any amount of money, whether both of you work, only one of you work, whatever that is, gets pulled together in one singular bank account or multiple joint accounts where you each have unlimited access to the total funds. This way, everything both people earn gets put in one place. All right. There's some pros and cons. The pros, easy to pool money, especially if you're not making a lot of money each. You need a lot of, you got to pull that money together. And there's a lot of transparency there. You know, you have, you know exactly where your money is going in and out. Um, and for a lot of couples that maybe there's only one income, you have to have it that way because, yeah. you know, if one of you is at work all day, the other one of you is going to be doing all the work, you know, maintain the cars, go grocery shopping, do this, do that, go to the post office. You need to be able to have access to funds. You also need to know what's available. Exactly. Um, this, the cons, though, 
is that you have unlimited access to somebody else's money and somebody else has unlimited access to your money. So if you are with somebody that is a gambling problem or has a shopping addiction or is really bad with money, you can lose everything. There is no backup to that. Um, So in that situation, you need to have some guidelines set in place. You know, it's, I'll talk about this a little bit later, but it's important to set a kind of like a minimum amount that you can, or a maximum amount you can spend without talking to another person. Which makes sense. I know when Will was still a senior airman and I was working part-time, it was $100 or more. Yep. We had to talk about it. I mean, unless it was groceries. Like, yeah. I could buy $100 of groceries. But anyone, to, like, purchase was over $100. Like, I just checked with him. You know, now that we're in a better place, I would say probably, like, $1,000. I would check with him. Or, you know, $700, probably. I'd be like, hey, what do you think about this? I mean, that makes sense. I think that was probably give or take about the same for my husband and I when we were a single, like, a single income. Single income. Yeah, it was Mm -hmm. definitely, like, unless it was, like, groceries, I would say something who was, like, $50 or more. Because at that time, it was a single income. I didn't even work at all, so I had to solely look to him. And one thing we always did was we always pre-budgeted out how much euro I would get for like that week or that pay period and that's something I'll talk about a little bit more later too my bad yeah no you're good you're good all right so the second way you could handle money would be completely separate each has their own bank account and they split bills I have some friends here that handle it this way it's very your money my money they literally split bills in half like you pay rent I pay electric gas internet phone whatever they keep it very even they have their own jobs if they go on vacation um they'll you know split it down they'll budget it out and split it down or or whatever um and i think a lot of that comes because they have different spending habits and that is really important um i say like if there was a big income discrepancy maybe one of you makes significantly more and you're trying to save, build some kind of like portfolio, do investments or something, and maybe the other one doesn't have those same financial goals, that would be a good way to do it, to keep kind of like that fairness in the relationship if that is what you guys need. I think this is a good way, if you are marrying somebody with different financial background or spending habits, this is a really good way to handle that because you shouldn't put yourself in a situation where you're watching them drain your bank account, quote unquote, and building up that resentment, you know, instead having an honest conversation of, you know, I need your $2,000 every single month to cover your half of the rent bills, blah, blah, blah. And I don't care whatever you do with the rest of the money and make that work. So I would say that would be like a really good pro for that. Also, I was thinking about this. If you were receiving child support from maybe a previous spouse it would be good to keep that in a separate account that's allocated to your children. Yeah. So you know for a fact, you know, don't even let your spouses like have access to that. Just to make sure that everyone's on board. This is the children's money. Da da da. Which make can, everyone be, feel comfortable. can become a very large issue in the courts, especially if the previous ex-spouse wants to try yeah. to fight saying that that the money that they give for child support isn't being utilized for the child. And that would right. be a great way to be like, actually, I have the bank statement showing it goes to a separate account. And that right. I the the parent only has access to it and goes. You can literally right. see on the on the on the transactions spend this much like at this daycare. location exactly. Yeah, like things like that. Yeah, so that would be a really good um, time to use that for yeah. sure. Um, so does it? And then the only kind of con, it well, there's really two. The first is if you guys already have trust issues mm-hmm. going into this. Yeah. Um. You could kind of see that as them hiding their money from you. So that's not necessarily caused by the money. That's an underlying issue. But if you have trust issues, this might exacerbate it. And then also, if you die, you need to make sure that somebody is set up to be able to take that money out of your account. Your bank can help you figure out who, like, the person is that will get it. Whether it's your parents, a child, your spouse. So just make sure you get that set up. (laughs) Because otherwise, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, the third one, yours, mine, and ours. This is all this, let everybody know right now, this is what Will and I do. That's what we do. Um, it's when you have some separate accounts and then you have some joint accounts. This is what we do as well. Yeah, you could do it two ways. You could either have a single joint savings account and you each have your own checking, or you could each, you you could have one checking account that you pay bills and everything out of, and then joint savings. And that's what Will and I do. Because we have different 
wants. You know, when he wants to spend money, he wants to buy it on gaming things. He wants to spend it on car things or magic or whatever. And when I want to spend my money, it's usually for traveling and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. It also kind of makes it fun because it allows you to still buy your partner a gift without it feeling like, oh, you're using their own money to buy them a gift. Yeah. So the fourth and the last kind of money sharing that I'm going to talk about is basically an allowance system. This is where one person controls the money in the relationship Mm -hmm. and the other person just is given like an allowance, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, whatever. Now, to me, I would not like that very much, but I can understand why you might have it if you are living on a very tight budget and maybe your spouse is uh, bad with money. You know, maybe the the best way you've found it is here's your $100 for the day or here's your $800 for the week or whatever that amount may be. So the pros of that is it's very good for budgeting. Um, the cons, however, I would say would be kind of resentment, a little mm-hmm. bit of resource guarding on the side of the person who is in charge of the money. If that person who's in charge of the money dies that can be very hard for the other person like they might be left with nothing yeah if it's Um, not set up appropriately or properly right i guess another pro i want to add in would be maybe that person never handled money and is Mm -hmm. afraid to handle money and doesn't want to do any of that stuff i respect that and it's they want to focus on other things yeah absolutely if that's what you want to do but again, again, going back to the cons of that, though, is it's easy to hide things. Yeah. So if you're working on an allowance system and maybe your allowance is getting smaller and smaller and they're not letting you see bank statements or anything like that, I would double check. You know, I would want to get more information about that, yeah. even if it's not your money, uh, because part of abuse can be financial abuse, yeah. which is withholding money. There's a lot. I've seen and heard of cases where, you know, maybe the partner not only had their own money that they were scrolling away, but they would take the paychecks of their spouse and would only let them have so much. And then they would go and spend all the money that they wanted to. So if you're in that situation and you're unhappy, get counseling. Yeah, always get counseling. safe. Guess what? Counseling's free through TRICARE. If you don't want to go through a... There's many, many channels you can utilize. One of them is a chaplain. You can always talk to a chaplain, please. If that's one thing you're going to take away... Talk to somebody, Mm -hmm. especially if you find, like, we discussed earlier, is that divorce, like, 40% of divorces come from money issues. Yes. I hate to say the start young in your marriage, or even if you're, like, Mm -hmm. 20 years in at this point, if you feel like you need to have a conversation, have a conversation. Don't hesitate. If you feel like you can't go to your spouse about something, that's a bigger issue. Absolutely. So, definitely. Talk it out, man. For sure. Because nothing will change unless you talk about it. Yep. Uh, especially I've learned that, um, men are stupid and cannot read your minds. Even if you think it's super obvious, <laughs> it's not obvious to them. Yeah. It's like when they try to find ketchup in the fridge, it is in front of their face, but unless you tell them where it is, they will not find it. I definitely think as we've gotten older and as we've matured, we've realized what works in our house budgeting wise. We've learned what works. We've learned what doesn't work. And like, I know I sometimes make really poor decisions and I know I do because I'm kind of compulsive at times. I'm like, I do want those $200 boots that I don't need, but I want. And then I Mm -hmm. swipe and I'm like, that wasn't a good decision, but I will deal with this later moment, you know? And like, (laughs) now that I'm older, I actually think twice before I swipe for those boots. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll talk about that a little bit later. We're talking about like budgeting tips and things. I have some All you get, Perry, you know, take the mic again (laughs) because- I, I don't have much to say on this topic beside that I do like to make poor decisions. <laughs> I mean, I do too. Don't get me wrong. Uh, anyways, uh, I spent $130 on treats today for my dogs just to go about how good I am at budgeting my... I think that's habits. a fantastic financial decision. Me too. Okay. So this next portion, I want to call it, so you're trying to make a budget and save money. Where do you start? This is... The easiest way to start, like maybe you were like, I just can't seem to save money or I'm drowning in credit card debt or whatever the case may be. This is where you start. You don't need to go to finance office to figure this out. You don't need an accountant. I'm going to tell you exactly what it is. 
I use Excel for this. You can literally use a piece of paper, but I love Excel. All right, what you're gonna do is you're gonna figure out your net income. This is not the income that the government says you make or your job says you make. This is how much you actually bring home after taxes. Now, your taxes will vary state by state, whatever you live in. Um, and remember that not all income that the military members make is taxable. So it's kind of wonky. You can't just look at last year's W-9 or whatever and say, oh, that's yeah. how much money we take in because you actually take in a lot more than that. Yeah. All right. So best way to find your military members' income uh, would be to go back for a few months, look at your bank statements, and see how much they make by weekly. And then you're going to multiply that by 26 because if it's if it was paid weekly, you'd multiply that by you know, the 52 weeks in a year, but since it's by, it's going to be 26 weeks. So that is going to give you their annual income that you're actually taking home. And then for yourself, if you did a, if you took a salary job, let's say you make $50,000 salary annual, what you're going to do for that is you're going to multiply that by your tax rate and then subtract that from your total. Now let's break down a little further. If you want, you can figure out exactly the taxes that you get taken out. But I would say on average, it's about 20%. Mm -hmm. So what you would do is take your $50,000, multiply that by 0 0.20, which is $10,000. And then you take your $10,000 out of your $50,000. So your take home is going to be $40,000 annual. Then you're going to take your money that you take in and his money that you take in. And that's your annual income. If you don't have a salary job, I would suggest doing the same thing. Go back a few paychecks as long as they're an average paycheck. And then just add those together. Multiply that by 26. That's your annual income. All right. The next part is you're going to divide your total income by 12. And that's going to give you your monthly income. It might be an average, but it's going to be pretty accurate for, this, for the point of this. Okay. So now that you have your monthly income, you need to find out your monthly expenses. Some of them are super obvious. These are going to be your rent, your electric, your gas, your trash, your water, internet, phone, insurance, car payments, groceries, any loan payments, credit card debt, alimony, child support. These are your big things. They're going to come out of your bank. It doesn't matter. It's going to happen. You have to pay them. Okay. And then there's going to be some that are a little less obvious. These might be your subscription services. So if you have Amazon, Hulu, Prime, add all those in. Then we're going to count shopping, clothes shopping, trips to Walmart, uh, <laughs> video games. Yeah, exactly. Target. Maybe if you are a gamer and it's $20, $60 for a video game, how many times a month do you spend money on that? Going out to eat. Uh, different hobbies. Like for me, it's rock climbing. For others, it might be golf or something like that. You know, movies, pet food, toys, things like that. For me, I would need to think about, okay, well, 130 bucks for treats. Um, <laughs> member fees. And that could include HOA. That could include uh, ghost hunting member fees. It could be rock climbing member fees. Things Base like that. club. Yes, exactly. Take all those. And for me, I always underassume how much money I spend. Like if I think back, I'm like, okay, I probably spend like $200 a month on going out to eat. Okay. That's probably an underestimation. The best way to do it is again, take three bank, three months of bank statements, print them out if you can, and look at how often you go out to eat, how much they are, and use that number. It might be super high, but it's always better to budget your expenses high yeah. than to under budget your expenses. Okay. You want honest to God ones. And if you even sure. want to, here's just a little organized tidbit here. If you are going to kind of follow the suit of print out the last three months of spending, use, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think highlighters come in six different colors. Yes. Go crazy. Have fun. Like highlight your, your big expenses, like uh, your rent and all that, highlight that yellow. Your other mm -hmm. expenses like Netflix, Hulu and all that, blue. Dumb spending can be pink or whatever. And then from right. there, you can even pull those numbers with a different color color coordinated and get your numbers separated that way. And then at the end, Absolutely. pull it all together. That's just yeah. how my brain works, is that if I color coordinate, instead of looking at a big stack of papers, 
I won't, yes, in theory, get as lost. And if you have a credit card, I know for me, I have a credit card app yep. that it's a little wheel and it'll show you a colored wheel of this much was utilities, yeah. this much was shopping, this much yeah. was eating out. So it's not like a perfect But system. it gives you an idea though. It gives you an idea where Absolutely. you spend majority of your money. Like some months it might be like, I know for me, great example. I just had to have my car fixed. That was 600 mm-hmm. something dollars to get my car fixed. So I know if I were to look at my bank statement right now, because I use my bank card for it, I would see a big chunk would be my car expense. Even though generally speaking, I couldn't even tell you the last time I put more than $40 in my car because I normally just get an oil change every three months. Right. So I wouldn't even necessarily budget that in. If you wanted to budget that in, like if you have to do $100 of maintenance on your car a year, you could divide that by 12 Mm -hmm. and put in a portion each month if you wanted to. And then also just for anybody that I guess didn't take statistics or has forgotten, if you want to find an average, uh, if you're taking three months, you sum the total of the three months and you divide it by three, and that's your average for one month. So take the sum of the amounts and then your items. So January, February, March would be one, two, three months. So if it was like 500, 200, 300, sum them up, divide it by three. That's your average. Okay. So then what you're going to do is you're going to take your monthly income, which is your annual divided by 12, and then you're going to take your monthly expenses, and what you're going to do is you're going to subtract your monthly expenses from your income. So if your income is $3,000 a month and the 12-year expenses is $2,000 a month, then that means you have $1,000 a month that you can save. If you take all your income and you subtract all your expenses, and that's a negative number, that's bad. You're spending more money than you're taking in. You're in the red. And when you do that, more likely or not, you are racking up credit card debt. Okay, that's bad. But before we get into credit card debt, which honest to God could be its own episode, but I'm going to try to keep that at a minimum. Let's talk about ways maybe you could bring that number down so you are back to a positive number. Since you have all your expenses listed out, it'll be easy to see what's super high and where you think you could save on, okay? So if your dining out is $800 a month, that's pretty easy. Go grocery shopping, don't eat out anymore. Mm -hmm. That's going to save you. If it's something like entertainment, if you are spending all this money on in-game purchases or video games or whatever, maybe you need to cut out that. Maybe it's unnecessary trips to Target. Maybe you need to go to Target once a month, not twice a week, something like that. Maybe it's travel. You just need to skip vacations for a little while. It could be date nights. Maybe you guys need to learn to like play Parcheesi at home or something like that, you know? Instead of going to a bar. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And drinking and alcohol can be a huge one. Drink at home or not at all. And also, it's one of those things, like, I've seen it. Once you have a few, it's easier to just keep on spending money. So maybe you can drink at home, or I'll get into it later about, like, ways to kind of cut down when you are out. Those are, like, the easy ones to kind of cut back on. But some of them are hard. So, for example, if your car payment is too high, maybe you need to sell your car. And get a beater car. Maybe you got this Camaro that you were super hyped about, but your car payments are $1,100 and your insurance is through the roof. Maybe it's time to sell that and go back to a beater. I know it's going to feel like like you're being defeated, but if that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. Or potentially, and this is a true, true story from our end, is when Will bought his car when he got out of tech school, he had like a 24% interest rate On like a 2010 Honda or something. No, it was like a 2006 Honda. After a while, we were like, this is stupid. So after we had built credit, we were able to refinance it. And we got that interest rate down from like 20-something percent to like 12%. Which is a big difference. Right. So if you're not willing to sell your car, then maybe look into refinancing it so that your monthly payments are lower. And that might mean that it's going to take longer to pay it off. So maybe you have a five-year loan and it's eleven thousand or it's eleven hundred dollars a month. Well, maybe you could change it to a ten-year loan for six hundred dollars a month. And again, you can refinance it at another time. Maybe when you have more money coming in, you make rank or something, and then you're higher and you can afford those payments. So that's a big one. 
And lastly, and this is probably the biggest one I see on a lot of cases, is your credit card payments are what's killing you month after month. Mm -hmm. And that is a beast because a lot, if not all, of credit card companies are very predatory. Very predatory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Will and I, we use our credit cards for everything, but we always don't pay more than we can pay off at the end of the month. We just do it because it gives us, like, bonuses mm-hmm. and stuff. Cash back and stuff. Yeah, but, you know, there, especially with PCSing, there are times that you need to spend more money than you could possibly save up before then. So I know a lot of us go through it. Um, so if credit card debt is hurting you, there are a few things you can try to help with that. So the very first thing is to consolidate your debt. Because most credit cards have different credit card rates, um, interest rates, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you have a lot of store cards. Like a Kohl's card is like a 35% interest rate. Yeah, those are really yeah, bad. Yeah, or a Best Buy card or something like that. So pay attention and read the fine print and figure out which ones are super high. And at least try to get those actually consolidated. A, yes. I actually have a tidbit on yes, this. Yes, please. So, I'm going to give you guys a little little peek behind the curtain mm-hmm. after working retail for many years myself. Mm-hmm. I did work for a company that they encouraged you to have your clients open up credit same. cards. I did it for Kohl's. I'll just say it and, right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I wasn't going to say it, whatever. <laughs> so, I worked for a company where it, it was highly encouraged for you to open up a credit card. And the biggest issue where I worked was that for you to... Keep your hours, which obviously you need hours to pay to get money and pay said bills, mm-hmm. was where I worked is more credits, mm-hmm. more hours. Because mm-hmm. it looked better for your store to have so many credits. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, when I say credits, this means, let's say I have a total of 10 customers come in that day. And I need to, per shift, I had to get four credits. Four attempts. Mm-hmm. Remind you, this does not mean that my customer even gets approved. It still shows up though that I at least had them apply they for it. They just want to run their credit score, which is a ding on exactly. their credit, which is stupid. Thank you. You you were you were already beating me to <sighs> Sorry, that punch right there. No, no, no. I appreciate that because I was going to say that it does ding you, even though they train you to kind of be like, dance around mm-hmm. that. Don't, don't say that because that's, depending on the age of your customer, they might not realize what that is. Yeah. Or if they don't understand, like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Just run it. You know, let's see what happens. Because remind you, a lot of these cards will tell you, hey, when you open up a card with us, you actually get 10, 15, 20% off your very first purchase. Mm -hmm. And where I worked, it was encouraged to have at least four credits per shift. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. And exactly. I never did that. (laughs) And it's one of those things where it's like, now I look back, I feel really bad because I wouldn't, I would not push it. But I was able to persuade many people to go for it, even though in my heart, I knew half of them weren't going to get cleared. Yeah. But it looked good for me. So as someone who used to do a job where you kind of had to sell your soul to get more money, Mm -hmm. (laughs) lack of better words, if you have someone who's assisting you in a store who's really pushing for you to try that credit card or just apply for it, it's because they need that for their job. And they're not doing, you know, it's just right. one of those things like the they have to. The salesperson does not have your best interest at heart. No, no, not at all. Just words to the wise, if you are at a store that is encouraging you, is pushing for you to get a card, tell them flat out no. Mm-hmm. If you don't feel comfortable or if you know for a fact you're going to get, you're going to run it and it's going to decline because your credit's not very good, just flat out tell them no. And if they still continue to push it, tell them to leave you alone. Yeah. As someone who used to be that person who'd be like, oh, are you sure you don't want to just give it a try? Like. Flat out tell them no. I haven't I haven't lived in the States in such a long time, so I really don't look forward to this pushing. Like here where we are, everything is you want to use your military star card today? Do you oh, want to use your military yeah. star card today? And like I flat out tell them before they even start, I go, I'm not using my military star card today. No, thank you. And if they say anything again, which it normally they don't, mm-hmm. I flat out tell them no, because that is how people get in debt. And I don't feel like ruining my household again. Thank you. <laughs> Please keep your card to yourself. Yeah. Normally when I sass them back for the second response, they tend to leave it alone. Right. But I'm just saying. But just so remember, weird. they're on the boat you are. They have a manager exactly. saying push, push, push. Oh, yeah. We had uh, yeah. we had like goals you were supposed to meet. And the, like, if you didn't get those mm-hmm. numbers. Oh, and there okay. was like a little ding, ding. that like they push a button. Yeah. And you'd be like, we got a credit card. And everybody celebrated. And we kept score of like the cashier oh, that got that. the most. Da, da, da. And... I never pushed. I was a good employee, though, so they, like, never cut my hours, but 
I never got them, and they it was awful. They would say, uh, "Man, this is a tirade." I don't care. They would say three no's. You have to start with, "Are you using your cold charge card today?" Yes or no? No. Oh, do you have a cold charge card? Would you like to get stuff? Yes or no? Okay. Finish up. Give them the total, and then again say, "Oh, you know, if you open a cold charge card today, then you're gonna be saving this much money." So it was literally three yep. no's. Also, I distinctly remember them being telling me, or telling somebody around me at least. That, oh, if they're 18, tell them it's a re- this is a really good starter credit card and they have to start building their credit now and this is a good one to start with. And so they were told that. Uh, there was a there was a big, I want to say like foreign community, like where English was not their first language. And we were told to yeah. use that to our advantage. And as long as they had a U.S. driver's license, we could use that. And even if it didn't go through, we would still get the point for the credit check. Yep. So, you will like, yeah, I get it. Where I worked, there was definitely like where I previously worked, where I had to deal with this. I won't lie. There was definitely areas where I worked where I knew the income is low where I was. Mm -hmm. It was not in the best communities at times. And sometimes, you know, people had to use credit cards to buy their purchases. So it isn't hard to be like, hey, you know, you can save 10%. And like, yeah, 10% is not a lot. But if someone's making a four to five hundred dollar purchase, ten percent can oh, yeah. make a big difference. And for Kohl's, it was like thirty five percent on your first one. It was yeah. big. So a lot of I want to say ours it. was twenty percent. Yeah, it was. It was like twenty percent. Again, like you're saying though, if you're doing all your Christmas shopping at Kohl's and you're spending four hundred dollars, thirty five percent of that is a lot of money. So yeah, but then you have high interest, and it's going to take you forever to pay it off because most of the time when you're like, oh yeah, let's go for it, you're not always in the headset of I'm going to save money, mm-hmm. like as in like. Oh, this is going to be great. Like, sometimes you use the credit card because that's kind yeah. of what you have to do. I would and, uh, I don't know. I would push to them because uh, I also work customer service. So I was able to process payments. So I said, hey, yeah. if you want to open this, pay for it. You can. We can pay off the balance of your credit card yep. immediately today, yep. the second you do this purchase so you don't have a balance. Yep. So that was like my, like, I still feel like smarmy about it, but that was like my little like yeah. redeeming thing I would try to do for people. I did. I did say that to a lot of people. Yeah. I'm like, cause they'd be like, I don't know. I don't want another credit card. I'm like, you could literally pay this off. I'm like, you can literally take two steps and turn right around and I'll pay. I'm like, we could pay it off right now. And I had, a, I had quite a few, like I know. So that was like with the older crowd. That's and when nice. I say older, I mean probably 30 or older right. would go. Yes, let's do that. Cause I'm going to save that 20% yeah. now. And I guess, like I said, the only reason why I brought this up is if you're trying to be more budget smart, be mindful. If you're shopping somewhere, if you find that they're really pushing a credit card, that is why it's not necessarily at the best interest of you. It's for them. Absolutely not. Absolutely so, not. You know, just beware. Predatory behavior everywhere you go. <laughs> Trust no one. Absolutely not. Yeah, like you were saying, I didn't even think about it because it's been so long since I've been shopping on base. But yeah, that military star card, that is a very high interest credit card. And I know that bit that Will once because he had to buy tires. So he had to like kind of yep. then and there open like a military star card, pay yep. $800 for tires. And then it took forever. Like I think we yep. he needed help paying that off because it was mm-hmm. just out of hand. Yeah. So please. Our military call. star card is what helped help furnish our, furnish our very first house. Mm-hmm. And it took us a while to pay it down. And once we paid that thing down, I was like, Get rid of burn it. the car. Yeah. Cut it. Exactly. Burn it. And if they ask if you want to use it, you tell them to go away. Yes. Not today, say it. Well, that actually works out really well. That was my next point I kind of wanted to touch on. Um, after consolidate debt, uh, if you can't do that, then the second one would be to take out a really small, low interest loan. I know the military will pretty much give anybody like a $5,000 low interest loan. So it will hit your credit again. So this is only if you mm-hmm. have decent enough credit. But Assuming it's less than like 20% interest or 30% interest, that's going to be cheaper. So what you want to do there is you want to take that loan and you want to immediately pay off your highest interest rate credit card payments. Even if it's not your highest total, your that interest will be racked up. And super remember, if you only pay your minimal, like the minimum payments, barely any of that touches your principal balance. And what that yeah. principal balance is, the amount you actually took out. Um, and then the rest goes to interest. So you mm-hmm. want to be able to knock that out. You want to be able to make two payments a month or one bigger payment um, to be able to kind of get rid of those. I know that a lot of people will do that. If you get paid twice a month, then on the first of the month, you make maybe your minimum payment. And then you try to make a second minimum payment mid-month. And at that situation, mm-hmm. 
typically depending on the card, but all of that can go to the principal and that's what's going to get you places. Yeah. That's what I actually do with myself. I normally do. I've been trying to make two payments. And that's the other thing is if you're in a situation where you're budgeting out maybe a vacation or something and you have more than $10,000 of credit card debt, really think about that. Really think about that decision. Is that trip worth it? Exactly. Is it worth it? Exactly. So my last bit of advice, if you have a lot of credit card debt, is put the debt in your face. It is overwhelming and it's easy to just shut down, not think about it, not look at it. But if you can get it in front of your face, it's a lot easier to be like motivated to pay towards it. Um, I know for some people, they literally like will like I get a piece of paper, you know, like a big piece of like craft paper and make a little chart and it'll show like, you know, your debt and then how much you put towards it or something like that. And just have it obvious and keep something that's going to motivate you to continue paying towards that because it can be scary, especially if you have a lot of debt and you're getting upset about it or something, you know, have that and focus on maybe your smaller ones or the ones with the highest interest loan first and try to knock them out. And maybe every time you knock out a credit card, first of all, cancel that card. You don't need it no more. And then celebrate, you know, maybe spend the 50 bucks and go out to eat and celebrate what you're doing and, and really make that like a reward system. Not so much of a punishment system. Treat yourself like a dog. You know, you do good behavior, you get a reward. <laughs> so I found that that helps. For me, I've always was told that canceling a card could actually look bad on you. So I've always been told if you don't utilize that card anymore, just kind of put it aside and like kind of let it close itself out. I don't know if that's true. It or doesn't false. close itself out. Uh, but what you can, what they don't want to see is not a lot of lines of credit. But if you have three different credit cards, I promise you, you can close one and it's going to be fine. I remember when okay. I was 18, I got bamboozled into the Victoria's Secret credit. I like I paid it. Yep. And then I just like had it open on my account and I looked years later and I was like, what is this? It was like a JP Morgan card. I'm like, what? And I was like, oh, so I canceled it. And my credit maybe yeah. dipped a few points, but it went right back up. So, okay. Yeah. I was always curious about that because I didn't know if that was a myth. Um, No, it's not there. a myth, but it's uh, risk reward. I think it's a better reward not to have it. I would not close all of your credit cards though. Yeah. So I guess to summarize, if you're working on credit card debt, things to remember. One, always pay the highest interest rate first. Two, always pay more than the minimum. And three, do not continue to use your credit cards until you've paid them off. I understand life happens and sometimes that's not possible, but really make an effort to not continue to use them. And if you pay one off and you don't want to, like you was saying, if you don't want to cancel it, put that card at home, put that in your dresser drawer, don't take it with you anymore. You know, once you've solved the problem, let's not recreate it. Yeah, makes sense. I was just curious about that, but yeah. If credit card debt's not your problem, there's some other stuff we can talk about. But if you're anything, something credit card related, you can chime in. No, I was was just going to say, like, I know for us, it's one of those things where like, we have like one, both of us have like one card that we use for like the like, God forbid if we have to get home tomorrow like since we live. Card. Yeah, exactly. We always have an emergency card. And like, I've had the same card since like 1820. So like my credit line is a ter- terrifyingly high credit line, mm-hmm. but I dare never go over a certain percentage of it yeah. because like, I wouldn't want to be $15,000 in debt. Yeah. Just from accidentally swiping it all the time. So, like, that's one thing I always tell people, like, keep an eye on that. Some cards, depending on who you have it through, they'll automatically over time just increase your credit line. So just be mindful of that. Mm -hmm. That is the thing. You will automatically get that. And, man, this could be two episodes. But there's something called your (laughs) debt-to-income ratio. And when they're... Gonna, maybe you want to apply for a mortgage or something. What they're going to look at is they're going to say, okay, you make $100,000, but maybe all your credit cards have like a $20,000 limit. What they're going to look at is they're going to assume you max out all of your credit limit and they're going to look at that. So it's almost better to have a lower credit limit. So your debt to income ratio is better if you're looking to make a big purchase like a house or something like hmm. that. I didn't know that. That being said, 
your monthly like credit score when that updates is based off of the percentage of your credit limit that you've taken. So if your credit limit's $10,000 and you have $3,000 on there, that's not too bad. That's like 30%. If your credit limit is $3,000 and you have $3,000 on there, now it's 100%. So that's going to tank that credit score. So you need to... Okay, that makes sense. But that's only if you have $3,000 on your credit card at the end of the month. If you're able to pay it off before your statement hits, it's going to show zero out of 3,000 or zero out of 10,000. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good score. So it's something you need to think about what's best for you. Are you going to be carrying a balance? Then you might want to have a higher credit limit. If you're not going to be carrying a balance, you might want to have a lower credit limit. That's just like personal stuff you're going to have to decide for yourself. Yeah, sorry. I keep on I keep on pulling more information from you. I know, you. I know, I know. This is a longer episode all of a sudden. That's fine. Okay. Last portion is what if credit card debt is not mm-hmm. your problem? Here's some kind of like day-to-day tips that I found work for me or I've seen work for other people. First one's easy. Track your spending. You might want to give yourself an allowance. Give yourself either a daily, a weekly, or a monthly like spending limit. Some people can just kind of track that in their brain on a piece of paper. Uh, some people, like Shannon kind of mentioned, is she takes out yen when she goes uh, out on the economy. So maybe if you want to only spend $20 that day when you go to Target and Starbucks, only bring $20 of cash with you and mm-hmm. give yourself that limit or $100 for the week or whatever that may be. Then they're, you're physically limited about what you can and can't spend money on. Another one would be be held accountable. Best way would be with your spouse. You know, it might not be just you that is going to have a, a daily limit of spending. It might be the two of you. And you can make that fun is, you know, at the end of the week, you can say, okay, well, I only spent $200 this week. And they go, oh, well, I only spent $190 this week. So I win this week or something like that. Kind of like keep keep yourself accountable. And also look at how much you're saving and celebrate how much you're able to save as well. Again, this is a positive thing. You have to look at it that way. For me, one of my biggest problems is like online shopping. I will think to myself, oh, I need this. And then I can go down a rabbit trail. And then $180 later, your prime delivery will be scheduled for Monday. You know, so I found (laughs) that it's super, 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 super helpful for me if I add everything to my cart and check out the next day. Because I promise Mm -hmm. you this, I would say nine times out of ten, when I revisit my cart, I take out at least one thing. I might even take out three things. Because shopping gives you a high. And you're riding that high. You don't care how much money. Like Shannon was saying, $200 boots. Mm, She doesn't need them. And maybe if she had thought about it one more day, she would have decided she didn't. Or on the flip side of that, if you come back a day later and you're like, no, I still want this. Then you have a little bit more like comfort in yourself that like you made the right decision. Like this is something that you really do want. When you've been dreaming of those boots. Exactly. And you finally just say, do you know what? I'm just going to do it because I actually have the money. Exactly. Like money to use, not money to throw in a card. Yeah. Or there's some things that I think, oh, like I really do want to get this. But I'll put it in my safe for later and I'll say, you know what? Like this isn't something mm-hmm. I would even use right now. I'll buy it when yeah. I need it. And sometimes. Yeah. Six months goes by and I'm like, huh, I never needed that. Weird. And I get rid of it. Yeah. So things like that. Just remember not to buy when you're high. More <laughs> um, drunk. Well, yeah. I just feel like high on shopping. But also don't buy when you're high probably would be a good rule. I was going to say we're drunk. Yes. <laughs> I, I, drunk purchases, man. Those are the worst. <laughs> like, I actually have a really funny story, even though editing Perry's going to hate okay. me. Really, really short. I got a, I got a box in from Amazon. This was like when we first got here and I opened it, it was like a nail kit to like do your, do at home, um, dip nails at home. And I was like, and like, I won't lie. I like looked at it and I was like, I don't remember buying this, but it's been in my, like my buy later list. So I was like, and I had to really like, really think to drunk me buy this for me as a future (laughs) gift. And like, thank goodness I ended up shooting my friend who used to do my nails at our last space. I shot her a message who used to do dip, who showed me how to do it at home. I shot a message. I'm like, I know this is really random, super bizarre, but did you did you send me a gift? And she goes, yeah, yeah, why? And I'm like, I thought drunk me bought this, so thank you. <laughs> Good to have that clarity. But long story short, it was my friend who actually sent it, yeah. but I had to really question if drunk me bought it. 
Uh, this one, I pretty much never do, but here we are. Say no to things. If money is tight, if you are really focusing on paying off a credit card or you are really focusing on saving up for a trip to something or Botox or whatever it is you want, say no to nights out. I know I have the worst FOMO. Okay, I really do. But like if you know if you go out, you're going to spend 80 or or $100 and you could be saving that $100 to something else you really want, literally just say no or change the date night. You know, if your girlfriend's like, hey, let's go out to a bar, you say, hey, why don't you come over and we'll split a bottle of wine? You know, like just cheaper. say no. A lot cheaper. Yeah. And also reward yourself in a non-monetary way. Uh, maybe if you are going out too much and then you cook a meal at home, you know, maybe you and your husband like go for a walk or something afterwards and spend some quality time together. Like, you know, you could be doing other things. So think about that. Um, okay, I have two more. Next one. Mm -hmm. Communicate about large purchases. Okay, maybe your boo thing wants a new PS5. Okay, like that's fine, but you both need to agree on that and then adjust any spending habits, especially if you guys are limiting how much you spend a week. Maybe take that consideration. Say, okay, if you're gonna buy a PS5, we're not going out to eat for the next two weeks. And have that give and take and know what it is you're giving up. Also, if you're buying a PS5, you will also need to budget in all the extra things that come with it. I'm yes. just saying, as someone who likes to game, right. don't be shocked when they come home with more than one bag. Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> just say. But also keep in mind, life is short. You do need to have joy in it. And it's not bad to make big purchases. It's not bad to spend money on things you enjoy. As long as they're no. things you will actually use, will actually spend time with, will actually improve your life, and you can budget for it. I do want to just say that for sure. For sure. I was only adding the tidbit of don't let your husband lie to you saying he's just going <laughs> yes. to PlayStation 5 when he comes yeah. home with multiple bags. Um, and then the last one is maybe just set like a limit. We talked about this before of how much you can spend without discussing it with a partner. I would think a rule of thumb is like a quarter of a paycheck. Mm-hmm. And make sure that's a two-way street. If you have to, not to ask your spouse's permission, but make sure that's both ways. And that doesn't even matter who's the breadwinner. It really doesn't. Even if you're not the one having an income, have them talk to you about large purchases. Because at the end of the day, you're still a partnership. Um, and it's mm -hmm. important to communicate. Um, actually, something to piggyback Absolutely. on that. Something that me and my husband have learned mm -hmm. through the years of being together mm -hmm communicate about holidays and birthdays mm -hmm. always talk about it always discuss what is the spending limit because both me and my husband are really really bad about like oh yeah limits 200 dollars, but we end up spending three to four hundred mm -hmm. on each other be realistic when you set the budget for the holidays flat out be like hey i already know what i'm buying you this year and it's about four hundred dollars mm -hmm. so that the other person understands so there's no oh this person spent more than me i feel guilty I, it just, no yeah. Have that open dialogue. Have that discussion. Yes, this goes back towards budgeting. I just know personally, every single year, even like for our anniversary this like this this last month, <laughs> we like my husband's like, hey, so how much did you spend on me this year? And I was like, oh, like eighty bucks. He's like, okay, that's good to know. Yeah. And then like that was it of the conversation. I didn't tell him what I bought him. I didn't have to give little like breadcrumbs. It just was like, yeah, I spent about eighty, and it should be here from Amazon soon. Mm -hmm. You know, and that was it. Mm -hmm. And then he knew what to generally fall into you know yeah and that's just like what i've learned has worked for us is there anything extra for you perry no i think that's about it like i said i didn't research any of this this is just things that i've learned and have seen um in my life um i would say listeners if you have any other spending habits or tips or something or if you honestly need help creating a budget Maybe you suck at Excel. Like, I will literally do it for you. I love this stuff. Um, my friend Zoe can tell you it wasn't a budget, but she has to track her mileage and stuff. I spent, like, three hours creating an Excel spreadsheet with all the different formulas and stuff to make everything, like, flow through. <laughs> and I was hyped. I was so excited. So, yeah, genuinely reach out and, like, I can help you or I can just even show you how it's done. I can recommend some templates. I can send you a template. Um, yeah, that's it. DMs are always open. DMs are always open. Or even email us. Yeah, if you want to hear more about uh, money and debt, um, honest to God, I feel like I could have done a whole section on loans and, and credit cards. We might revisit it. We'll see. Um, but until then, yeah, have a great thank few you, everyone. weeks. Yes, thank you so much. We'll talk to you in two weeks.
Bye. Hey, thanks so much for listening to PS We Have Orders. If you want to reach out to us, please send us a DM on Instagram at PS We Have Orders Podcast. Or you can always shoot us an email at podcast at gmail.com. Also, if you can leave us a review wherever you listen, we'd really appreciate it. Until next time, guys. Jim Baker, I believe. Sounds interesting. Let me make sure. Let me make sure. Let me make sure. Did you get new glasses, by the way? Uh, a few months ago. Thank you. I like them. We used to have gold okay. framed. I also have some gold framed ones, too. Oh, okay. So I'm not crazy. So I, I, I alternate. So potentially, I just always wear the other ones when I record with you. Okay. So now I don't feel crazy. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, okay. future right. Perry. All right. <laughs>